The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 98. Today is Saturday, June the 30th. Rainy day here in Florida, but it's kind of nice because it breaks up the humidity. I'm going to the beach anyway a little bit later. Let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey, Jeff. The Animal Wilson. Jeff, how's the weather up north, my friend? Bill, we're just getting started on a heat wave here in New Jersey, so I'm staying inside. <laughs> you know, I say this, I say this time after time. People always ask, uh, since I've moved to Florida, how do you deal with the heat? I think it's just as bad in New York. It, the summer lasts a little longer here, but man, New York and New Jersey get gross in the summertime. It's it's pretty unbearable, and there's no relief. There's no good beaches to go to. Uh, you can't go to the Jersey Shore because it's disgusting. I mean, you get you got like jellyfish and STDs in the water. It's it's not a good time for anybody. In any case, uh, slow week in MMA. Uh, just one Bellator card last night, uh, which is why we're able to record on a Saturday this week. Uh, usually, we record on Sunday, as you all know. Uh, and then next week we have. International Fight Week, so the busiest week of the year. We're going to see how we can break this thing up here. Maybe we'll only break down the PFL card today, and then we'll get into uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale and UFC 226 on another episode. We'll do a separate episode dedicated to those. We'll see how this week goes. And then next weekend, we'll have Jeff the Animal Wilson live in studio, my first in-studio guest since setting up the new podcast space uh, a couple of months ago. So lots of exciting things going on. So last night, Bellator 201 from uh, Temecula, California, headlined by women's flyweights uh, championship, Alima Leigh McFarlane and Alejandra Lara, a very exciting uh, main event that I think very few people knew about. And I got home late last night. I went to a wedding. Uh, so I only caught the main event. So, Jeff, I know you were watching Bellator, so you're going to have to fill me in here on what are the fights that are worth going back to watch. So let me know those, and then we'll get into this main event, which I did happen to see. All right, Bill. All right, Bill. I only got to see the main card because that's the only thing that was on TV. So um, the first – Fight, the opening fight of the main card was a featherweight bout be, yeah, between Juan Archuleta and Robbie Peralta. Really good fight, really back and forth, big finish in the third round, super exciting. Um, Juan Archuleta had TJ Dillashaw and Cub Swanson in his corner, so super awesome to see them you know, helping out their teammates. And the other fight that I would strongly suggest – Outside of the main event was Saad Awad versus Ryan Couture. 
super exciting first round. Unfortunately for Ryan Couture, he just did not have an answer for the pressure and the pace that Awad was putting on him on the feet. So definitely go back and check those two out. Yeah, I saw I saw that Ryan Couture had, had lost in the first round. Of course, uh, the son of UFC legend Randy Couture. Um, so Ryan Couture, uh, not so hot as of late. He's dropped three of his last four. Uh, but, you, you know, a loss to Sada Watt is, is nothing to hang your head about. That guy is a legit striker. Uh, so unfortunate for Ryan Couture because uh, I'm sure Bellator really wants to build a name behind him. And then Robbie Peralta, I might check that fight out as well. So he, uh, veteran of the UFC, he dropped a couple of uh, in a row in the UFC, to, but to guys like Tiago Tavares and Clay Guida, and then dropped a couple of more and obviously dropped one last night. So it's interesting, Jeff, because a lot of these names that you're used to seeing uh, in the UFC – you know, sometimes they go other places and they don't have success either, which really speaks to the fact that there is talent elsewhere uh, that we just don't know about yet. And that's why I'm really excited about the PFL because we have a lot of UFC veterans uh, assigned to the PFL right now, and they're fighting a lot of unknowns, and who knows what could happen. You know, you put a million dollars on the line and you put this point system in place, and it's a whole different ball game, so to speak. Uh, so let's break down this main event here. So Alima Lay McFarlane remains undefeated. Uh, I don't know how deep the women's flyweight division is in Bellator. I think it's a very small roster, especially because Valerie Letourneau, who she won her fight uh, earlier in the night last night, and I think it's automatically assumed that she's going to be getting the title shot against Alima Lay. So not to take anything away from uh, Alima Lay, but uh, uh, Alima Lay looking, looking uh, pretty slick on the ground uh, against a, a fellow ground fighter in Alejandra Laura. Uh, and her finish was really impressive because she had an armbar locked up and Laura was jumping over the top or from underneath and trying to kick Alima Lay's arms off. And apparently Laura has very flexible arms and she didn't catch her until she was able to move the arm on an angle and hip into it. Usually, you know, the way you teach an arm bar is you have the thumb pointing up to the ceiling and you hip up into the tricep and you pull down on the end of the lever and that's it. But sometimes you run into people who are double-jointed, and to get them to tap, you have to kind of find some weird angles, and that's exactly what Alima Lay had to do. So she held on to it, uh, which was impressive, and the, the defense from Lara was impressive. This was a very uh, back-and-forth fight that, uh, you know, once Alima Lay uh, found her groove uh, and, and got the fight where she wanted it, uh, she just kind of took over. So uh, what were your thoughts on this main event, Jeff? So, Bill, I thought that Alima Lay was in trouble, man. Uh, the first round, I definitely gave it to Alejandra Lara. Uh, the size difference was very apparent. It looked like they were a weight class apart. And Lara did a good job on the feet. She was more dominant there. And she took it to the ground first and was able to stay on top the entire round. 
Um, and then Ali Malay came alive in the second round, showing her jujitsu skills. She was on top the whole round. And dude, that armbar, uh, it was really well worked for Ali Malay McFarland. She never gave up on it. And um, I don't know what's next for her, man. I think that the only option you can give her is Valerie Letourneau. Um, I don't think that this flyweight division for the women is too deep at the moment. Um, but dude, um, just real quick, going to Valerie Letourneau, I wasn't too impressed with her. I mean, I know she won, but as a striker, I felt like she could have done better. She she had to take the fight to the ground to win, and she got dinged up in there, man, against someone in Christina Williams who I didn't know too much about. So I don't know if Valerie Letourneau is ready for Ali Malay McFarlane. Yeah, Valerie Letourneau is stepping up in weight since she left the UFC, so she dropped three in a row there. Uh, the first of which was she went the distance with the then champion, Ioana and Jacek. Uh, so she lost three in a row. She gets cut by the UFC. She bumps up to flyweight. Uh, I don't know if this is the right weight class for her or not. Uh, but I, as far as I know, Bellator doesn't even have a straw weight division. I think it's a flyweight or bantamweight there. Um, so again, not to take anything away from Alima Lay, she's very skilled um, as a fighter, but uh, you got to wonder how deep is the competition. And this is a very new weight class uh, with only about a year in, in any organization. Uh, so I, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to gauge what her skill level really is because we haven't seen her tested uh, we don't know how deep the division is, but it'll be interesting to see her get in there against someone with at least some UFC experience under her belt. And, you know, maybe Letourneau just had an off night last night and, you know, she'll show up to fight against Alima Lay. And uh, the, the fighters are asking to have this fight in Hawaii. And, you know, we've been talking about uh, the UFC going to Hawaii for a long time. They haven't been out there yet. Uh, I think it would be a mistake if Bellator did it because it would cost a lot of money to put an event on out there. You get, you think you got to fly out all the fighters, you got to fly all their trainers and everything like that. There's a reason that Bellator does a lot of their events in the San Jose area uh, because it's it's pretty easy to get to California. You can get cheap flights from anywhere uh, to California, uh, and uh, but if you do it out in Hawaii, your expenses go up. You got to bring your production crew out there. Uh, there. There are teams all over the United States that can put together uh, production for MMA events, but you got to fly out a whole new crew to Hawaii. You got to get people who can build a cage, who know how to do the production. You got to you know, put the arena together. It's very, very costly. And especially since Bellator is not doing pay-per-views really right now, you're not going to see a return on that money. Uh, so, uh, the fighters are asking for it. The fans are asking for it. Uh, big mistake for Bellator from a business perspective, in my opinion. Uh, so I hope that they don't do that. Uh, just to just to beat the UFC there. I think uh, that would be a very foolish business move. So I definitely want to go back and check out Sadawad against Ryan Couture. And uh, I want to check out the other fight with uh, Peralta getting knocked out. And I see that Ed Ruth was on the undercard here against someone named Andy Murad. So Ed Ruth, a beast of a wrestler. We've been talking about him 
uh, on this show a couple of times. And Bellator really bringing him up the right way. Uh, from what I understand, he dominates in the practice room, uh, comes out of Penn State. Uh, I think he broke Phil Davis's pin record at Penn State. Just a phenomenal wrestler. He's put some striking together, young kid, and uh, he's just a beast. Uh, you know, one of my teammates fought him in Bellator, and the kid's a monster. So uh, Ed Ruth, somebody definitely to keep an eye on, and I think they're bringing him up the right way, keeping him on the undercard, even though he's got a little bit of star power. You know, he's well-known in the wrestling world, uh, which, you know, follows MMA pretty closely. Uh, so just something to keep an eye on. Uh, and uh, so he got a, uh, a TKO win in the second round last night, right at the end of the second round. All right, so let's get into some upcoming fights. Jeff, we have a marathon coming up. As soon as you – the day you touch down here in Florida – we have three days back-to-back full of MMA, and my wife is thrilled that this is happening. <laughs> this is why, <laughs> part of the reason why we got to record on a Saturday morning because I got some, I got some baby hours to put in to, uh, <laughs> to compensate for what's coming. Uh, so Hurricane Animal Wilson is coming to town, and uh, we got some awesome – awesome fight cards i'm really excited for international fight week and everything that's coming up so uh so let's count backwards so ufc 226 is going to be saturday july 7th of course that's headlined by stipe miocic the heavyweight champion and daniel cormier the light heavyweight champion in a, in a super fight and then the co-main event uh max holloway and brian ortega going at it for the featherweight championship and that card just goes on forever uh, then Friday night, July 6th, we got the Ultimate Fighter finale, and that's going to be headlined by Brad Tavares and Israel Adesanya, as well as you know finding out who are going to be the two winners at featherweight and at lightweight of the Ultimate Fighter, which has actually been a really entertaining season. I can't lie to you and say I've caught every single episode, but from what I've seen, it's been entertaining. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought Stipe and, and Cormier had a lot of fun with it. And I, I thought there were really great fighters. All, every fighter going into the season was undefeated. Then Thursday night, July 5th, the day after Independence Day, Jeff, there's no better way to celebrate the birth of America than with three straight days of awesome MMA cards. I mean, this just keeps getting better and better. Professional Fight League 3. So we've been building up the PFL on this show a lot, Jeff. I'm a big fan of of the structure for those of you who haven't been listening professional fight league formerly known as the world series of fighting has put together a tournament mode six weight classes million dollar prize for each weight class and a point system in place so if you win a fight in the first round you get six points and it goes on from there respectively five points if you win in the second round four in the first round and three if you win a decision Zero points if you lose the fight, and zero points if you don't make weight, which is my favorite part of this point system. So we have the third event, and after this event, we're going to have a, a real ranking system with the points for a lot of the weight classes, headlined by your boy, Jeff, Jake Shields. He's fighting some guy named Ray Cooper, who I, I'm looking at his record now. I don't see any names that I recognize, which means – this could be a dangerous fight for Jake Shields. 
Uh, Jake Shields, we haven't seen compete in mixed martial arts for a while. He's been doing the jujitsu thing. Uh, obviously, one of the best jujitsu practitioners on planet Earth right now. His last fight was a year ago in July of 2017. And, uh, you know, he, he had two, uh, two somewhat lackluster performances before that. So he won his last fight, and then he dropped a fight to John Fitch in December 2016, and then he had the controversial fight against Husamar Paul Harris in August of 2015. So Jake Shields has not been very active lately. So coming in against an unknown fighter in a main event could be a dangerous thing for him, especially an unknown fighter who's hungry and looking to win that million-dollar prize and finish Jake Shields in the first round. Uh, so give me your thoughts on the main event of this fight, Jeff. Are you worried for your boy here, or uh, you think he's going to pull it off? Bill, uh, I'm a little worried for Jake Shields. And for those of you who don't know, I've uh, had the pleasure to train with Jake Shields before. He was doing a seminar at the UFC gym in Hoboken, so I was able to make it out there. He showed me some tips to um, – really set up a good arm triangle but um personal anecdotes aside i feel like this could be a risky fight for him dude uh, i don't know too much about ray cooper but his career is pretty solid man he's been in there a few times uh he's got 17 fights under his belt only three losses and you know jay shields we haven't seen him in a year dude yeah he's been doing the jujitsu thing but it's totally different man in, in jujitsu you have positions where you can rest catch your breath a little bit and i don't know anything about this ray cooper dude he could come out swinging uh with relentless pressure kind of like um Kobe Covington did against Rafael Dos Anjos. So it's it's a coin flip at this point. But Jake Shields is well-rounded. Um, he's got the experience. So I don't know, dude. It's anybody's guess. Um, I want to say that Jake Shields has the advantage just based on experience. But Ray Cooper, he could be a dark horse in this fight. Yeah. So obviously Jake, Hills, uh, Jake Shields' Achilles heel is his striking but he's only been knocked out twice in his career. Uh, and he is one of the best by far on the ground. I mean, dominated Damian Maya on the ground. Uh, decision over current welterweight champ Tyron Woodley. Um, and if you go through his career, he went to distance with George St. Pierre. Uh, and, you know, he has a win over Dan Henderson, who has fought at light heavyweight. Uh, and and he, he he dominated him after getting rocked in the first round, was able to dominate him. Uh, we both have personal ties with Jake Shields. You've trained with him. I've drank Jameson with him. And uh, that's a story for another episode. I know I keep I know I keep teasing this one, but these Diaz brothers, uh, they keep uh they keep hiding out in the shadows, man. I'm waiting for one of them to get a fight so I can finally tell this story on the air uh, of the night I partied with Jake Shields and the Diaz brothers, but uh, you, you know, we're, we're keeping this episode short and, uh, I'm going to have to keep teasing it. Let's see how Jake Shields does You know, if it, if it's a really talk worthy performance, uh, amidst all the other action going on in international fight week, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do this story while you're here in the studio. Maybe not. In any case, let's take a look at the rest of this card here. So it's kind of, it same story as the last two PFLs. It's littered with UFC veterans. Uh, going up against virtual unknowns. So Rick Story, uh, who is a longtime staple in the UFC, uh, he's going to make an appearance in this um, 
in this tournament. Eddie Truck Gordon, two-time veteran of the Ultimate Fighter. I always feel like Eddie Gordon never really showed his true potential in the UFC. Uh, maybe it was the pressure of the platform he was on, but Eddie Gordon is a beast. So he's someone to keep an eye on, but he's taken on a, a virtual unknown, uh, uh, Shamil Gamsadov, who is undefeated. So, you know, who, who knows what could happen there? John Howard, another UFC veteran in there uh, against a virtually unknown fighter. This is really interesting to me, Jeff, because you have all these guys who we've seen fight before. We know a little bit about, they've had some success in their career against guys who we haven't heard about, but there's a million dollars on the line. There's a point system in place. Some of these guys have seen that other, other fighters in their weight class have gotten first round finishes. So it puts a whole different twist on MMA. And I think it's a good thing. I think this is something that we've been looking for for a long time. It solves a lot of problems. It solves the problem of the weight issue, fighters missing weight uh, by taking the points away and taking away their chances for that million dollars. So uh, seeing if there are any other names that jump off the page here, I don't see any, but I do expect that this will be a great event. I, I haven't been disappointed yet with the PFL. Their production is very solid. Uh, they have an awesome broadcasting team, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. So, what, what are your thoughts on this card, Jeff? Bill, I'm digging it. This card looks really interesting top to bottom. You got some UFC veterans in there. Um, you've got a familiar, a couple of familiar names in here. And also, Bill, I'm looking at this fighter right now. His name is Abubakar Nurmagomedov. So he looks i'm um, looking at the website right now uh pflmma.com and dude he looks a lot like khabib uh, i wonder if he's maybe his older brother or something uh he's gonna be also in the tournament uh competing in the welterweight division so dude i'm digging this format uh sorry to cut you off bill but i'm really digging this format of the point system and you know it, it basically takes away a lot of doubts because anybody could beat anybody on any given night so go ahead, Bill. What did you want to add? Yeah. So, I mean, Nurmagomedov may be like the equivalent to Smith here in the United States. <laughs> that might be like in Dagestan, like, it, you know, it's just the most common name in the phone book. Like the, the N section is the largest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited for this card. It's a great way to kick off International Fight Week. We're going to hold off on the Ultimate Fighter finale because we don't know uh who's gonna be competing we don't we haven't seen the full bracket yet because there's one more episode i believe so we're gonna hold off on that and you know we don't want to get into ufc 226 either and so we have that bracket so we'll do another episode probably in the middle of the week this week or when jeff lands here on thursday evening maybe we will do it during the pfl maybe we'll do like a, a fight companion type of thing for the pfl um, I, I'm not a big fan of these things. Um, I, I, I do like, uh, when Joe Rogan does it, I usually watch it the next day though, just for the banter, not really for the fight commentary. So maybe we'll do something like that. I don't know. We have to do something special while you're here, Jeff. We got the hundredth episode coming up. So we got to bang that out while you're here in person in the studio. And we have uh, a jam packed weekend of MMA that I'm really excited for. In the meantime, let us know what you're thinking and drinking on social media. You can reach Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks. 
everywhere on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, let us know what you guys think about International Fight Week coming up and uh, you know anything you hear about the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, of course, if you're not already, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you happen to be watching, and uh, leave us a review. It helps us out. Until next time, when I have Jeff the Animal Wilson live in studio, that's all we got. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>